Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is 20 Questions, and I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Cheryl Lee Ralph. She's currently playing teacher Barbara Howard in the ABC comedy Abba Elementary. And during her 40-year career, she's been Tony-nominated for her work in the original Broadway production of Dreamgirls, and she's won a SAG Award and an Emmy for Abba Elementary. Cheryl Lee Ralph, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Oh my goodness, thank you. Good to be here with you. It's lovely to see you. Uh, I know we were talking quite recently. We were on stage at Deadline's Contenders event. That Wasn't was a that fun good? Chat. It was so good. It really it was. was. It came together in a way where I was just laughing most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're prepared for the random 20 questions. I'm just going to hit you with some in a minute. So I hope Come that's on. okay. But yes. first, I just want to say I so enjoyed the finale episode of Abbott. Was it not so brilliant? Everything just came together so well. I love the whole CPAP machine joke where your character, Barbara Howard, is trying to do a sleepover in the museum with the kids. And she is trying to sneakily hide her CPAP machine. And the kids think she's an alien from another planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's classic Abba Elementary. Yes. (laughs) So good. And it worked so well. And, you know, I always tell people, live in your truth. And how nice it would have been if she just said, you know something, I have this issue that I'm dealing with. And if there's some way we might be able to accommodate it, things might have happened in a much different way. But then the way it happened was good TV. (laughs) It really was. Mm -hmm. I also agree with that, that it would have just been so sweet if we saw Barbara Howard tell her vulnerable truth but part of the character's appeal to me is that she she's very sort of tightly buttoned up so it takes some time to figure out what makes her tick yes and we have gotten to see her with her daughter this past season I feel like that opened the door as to I guess getting to know that she is not completely perfect Even though Janine thinks she's completely perfect. Absolutely. And in the season, I think it was early in the very first season, you got to meet my husband, 
played by Richard Brooks. And you could see that she's a whole nother person when she's with her husband. Then she's a whole nother person when she's with her daughter, you know, then she's a whole nother person when she's with her students. Then there's a whole nother person that you see in her interactions with Janine. And I, I love this character because she's, and like you just said, we're seeing so many different sides of a character that people are just loving. And I, I'm so thankful. Yeah. I'm really excited for next season. Have you started shooting yet? It should be quite soon, right? We'll start, um, we'll probably start shooting the end of July, praying that there's a very short strike period, you know, and that we get to go to work, you know, the end of July. And um, everybody always asks about the questions that I might have and the conversations that I might have with the writers the writer's room and Quinta and all of that. And I can honestly say that I'm having one of the best times and relationships with the show, believing in what the writers have done. There have been some times when I've questioned and I've said, my God, what am I being paid to just breathe? And then when I see the episode and maybe it was a scene or two, and I'm like, whoa, you are breathing just right. You know, very often you can get caught up in the lines, the lines, the lines, the lines, the space, the space, the space, when sometimes you've just got to hold on to your space and be prepared for your time on the screen. And it has been wonderful for me to experience that as well. Mm. Yeah. What are you hoping for Barbara next season? What's your ideal? Honestly, I lean on the writer's room in Quinta. I, be I believe that what you're seeing and what is being revealed to you about the character, people are loving it. They respond you know, they respond quickly. Now we're in this world of social media. We can hear and feel what people are thinking in rapid time. So I'm like, okay, if it ain't broke, why try to fix it? You know, I am truly in a place where I can say, keep giving me what you've been giving me. Because obviously this, this magic between us all is working very well. The people that I work with in the cast every single one of them this this is one of the most well cast shows ever you know the the relationship we all have and mine particularly with the writers room they are writing for me writing for this character she continues to come alive even in her idiosyncrasies you know the fact that um i'm not saying it correctly but you know what i mean that the fact that um she has a problem with fire you know, fire and the prayer, they, they, they just don't seem to go along very well. The things that she still mixes up with, with technology, but the things that we are sure of, she loves what she does. She loves her students and she tolerates Ava. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, there's a reason you won the Emmy and oh, there's also a reason your casting director won an Emmy too, and yeah. Quinta. 
Thank and you. you guys won the uh, the SAG for Best Ensemble. Yes. So when you say it's a perfectly cast show, I think a lot of people agree with that. Yeah, it really is. And they're great people. You know, we we all we have a chain and we're on it sometimes with each other. And I just I just love the vibe of it all. I've been on a few shows and I know how difficult it can be, how difficult it can get. And I am so happy that we are going into season three with a bit of comfort, cast comfort, everybody getting along and doing what we do and to the best of our ability, which is um, that in itself is a gift. When you say you know how difficult it can be, are you talking about um, the atmosphere, the tension that can arise, or what What are you getting all at? Of, all of those things, all of those things. You know, we've seen it happen over and over where it looks like everything is wonderful, then you get behind the scenes, and it's not. You know, I can't talk for everybody else. I can only talk about the things I've seen and I've experienced, and I'm so happy to be in with a group of people where, yes, I'm so happy to see you. I'm looking forward to seeing you. It'll be great to be in your company. Oh, I'm not getting re- I'm not able to have lunch or dinner with you as much as I would like. I mean, I just, I'm just happy. You're living That's the dream. It. Living the dream, I'm telling you. All right. So are you ready for the 20 questions? Sure. Okay. Do you remember when you first realized you wanted to be a performer? (laughs) You know, that's interesting because I don't think it was my realization as much as my mother and father say it was their realization. I was born in a time when babies are welcomed in the earth, welcomed to the earth by being held upside down and smacked on their behinds. Well, they say that there was no need to do that to me because I came out laughing. So they said, well, she's ready for the world and ready for the stage. At least that's the way my dad says it. Although my mom really wanted me, my immigrant mother from Jamaica, really wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer and at the very least marry one. And that did not happen. Mm-mm. Well, I would think that they were both proud of you, right? I mean, who wouldn't be? Thank you. Thank so you, you more than made up for not being a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> yes. So what about who were the characters on TV or in film that resonated for you when you were growing up? It's interesting because I was enamored with Tinkerbell. I mean, there was something about, one, fly, to be able to fly and have a great little costume and leave sparkle and good vibes everywhere. You know, I was very enamored with Tinkerbell. And then I was absolutely in love with, there was a variety show called The Ed Sullivan Show. And the fact that this man would come into that little box Sunday night and I was always looking to see who was going to be the black person on TV, you know, and getting to see, you know, the Jackson Five, the the Supremes, Sammy Davis Jr., Nancy Wilson, 
Pearl Bailey, all of these intergenerational in, you know, at my, at that time for me, people of color coming onto the screen. Oh my God. I was in love with it. And then Diane Carroll had a series called Julia. Wonderful, beautiful, talented black woman. I looked at her and said, yeah, yes, we can do this. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. All true. What about the posters you had on your bedroom walls as a kid? You know what? I didn't have posters up because my dad didn't like us to put things up on the wall because he was, I guess he was protecting the paint. But what I did have were album covers. My parents would go to the theater and they would bring back all of these albums. And to me, that was just a whole nother world to see the art depicted on these covers. You know, once again, 12 inches, you know, the 12 inches of the television screen, the 12 inches of this, the, you know, the 12 inch album, the artwork, and then the voices that went along with it. Oh, it was just um, magic. I remember Sammy Davis Jr. and a musical called Golden Boy. I remember very much Raisin. I was older, but I remember that. Harry Belafonte and Miriam Nikiba at Carnegie Hall. To all of these images that were just a part of growing up. Showbiz. Have you ever been starstruck in your life? Oh my God. I was literally starstruck, even though I had met them before. But when I was in the same room as Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, and he was the president and she was the first lady. And I remember standing up there looking, wow, look what the future has brought us. And I don't think I said a single word. And I knew and talked to them before they became that. But once they were that, I was like, wow. Were they talking to you? You were, were, they, were they talking to you and you were just completely silent? Or I think I was just completely silent. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was that moment. And I remember coming out of the moment thinking, you're so dumb, girl. You didn't say not a single word. Oh, but anyway. I think that's really funny. Sorry. Mm -hmm, that's true. That's a good one. <laughs> What was the first movie you ever saw in the theater? Oh my God. The first movie I ever saw in the theater, I was frightened to death. And don't ask me why my dad took me. It was the Lowe's Poli Theater. And I think it was a rerun of The Mummy with Bar Boris Karloff. You know? I've seen that. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> And I remember that when I was young, if you went to the theater early, you know, they would put on old movies. And, you know, I've had a love of old movies ever since that. They would put on the old movies and it was like you could go in for like 50 cents, you know, because you would go in and it was really cheap and you would see a movie. Do not ask me why my father took me to see that movie on the big screen. I was, I was terrified. I can still <laughs> see the face of Boris Karloff to this day. I have a neighbor up the street. He has the original 
um, cast model of the head. And one day I took a picture with the head. I was like, mm-hmm, wait, what? Why? Do, why does your neighbor have that? That's incredible. This particular neighbor, when Halloween comes, if you get to go inside their home, they have every monster created. They have all of the original things. And it's just amazing to see them all up close. Your neighbor isn't Guillermo del Toro, is it? No. (laughs) No. That is... Because he, he's obviously known for his amazing collection. Um, but wow, you know, when I was a kid, I was absolutely petrified by that old movie, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Did you ever oh see my that? God. When that doggone fin, oh man. The Movies fin like coming that. around the corner. Thank you. And you saw the hand, you know, and the gills and all. And the thing, and I remember the scene. Do you remember this? Where the woman is swimming up yes, and the hand comes right around like it misses her leg. I was like, oh my God, these people. And the Blue Lagoon in Jamaica has never been the same for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you know, to me it's worse than Jaws and Jaws gave me a fear of swimming pools. I thought, you know, there's gotta be something lurking in the pool. Absolutely. The, the, what it does to our imagination and it just shows you just how expansive the imagination can be. You know, we don't need to, sometimes I feel that now in a lot of projects, it's too much visual overload, you know, hold back just a little bit and let my mind see it. I was, I was, I was watching a show and the person was pushed off of um, a roof and they went and showed you what happened when the person landed and I was just like oh my god did we really need to see all of that because now I can't get it out of my brain ah horrible also what you imagine is so much more powerful I watched a a making of Jaws speaking of Jaws the other day a documentary uh featuring Steven Spielberg and Richard Dreyfuss and everybody it's a great great documentary and you know, they, this shark that they built was so dysfunctional that they just had to cut the shark out of most of the film. And that's what makes the film. You never really see much. That's it's right. all in your head. And the other day I was talking to Quinta, not at Contenders, but for something else. Uh-huh. And she was talking about this in a way. She was saying, you know, it's all about good storytelling. Yeah. And I feel like we lost our way we got a little over over VFX. That's right. And uh, yeah, the thing that's fantastic about Abbott Elementary is the storytelling is there. Thank you. You know, and it's so well written. You know, the idea. People say to me, "Why do you always talk about the writers?" Because the writers are so important to what makes this particular show wonderful. I literally only have to show up and do my job. Show up and do my job because somebody has done their job to the best of their ability and it's now put in my hands to level up. I I am just, I, I don't think it gets better than that at all. At yeah, all. Yeah, that's the magic, isn't it? When yes. You really, 
it really all comes together. You believe in the ability. It's like you say, you lean on them. You can. That's right. What is one of your favorite memories? Oh, my, I was five years old and, um, I love birthday parties, love birthday cakes. My auntie Nay bought me a beautiful black velvet party dress. My grandmother baked the cake and my mother did my hair in a way that I felt fancy. And I took pictures of me celebrating with friends that I can remember who they were at five years old. And I'm standing there, you know, when they had those little things that you blow out and it makes a squeaky noise. And I'm standing there next to my brother and my friends. And I love that great memory of feeling, yeah, yeah, I love it. That's so nice. That's lovely. Mm -hmm. My fifth birthday, that makes me jealous because my fifth birthday party pictures are all me naked except for a pair of yellow Wellington boots. (laughs) Because I, I refused it. to get put my party dress on, and my mom just was like, "Oh my god!" So she had to give up, oh. and all I would wear was the yellow wellies. Oh. It's so just, now I don't look back on those photos with joy. <laughs> but see, my imagination is I can see you so cute and in the sun and happy in your boots. I think you're right. I probably was. You're yes. Right. Mm-hmm. It's funny though. Uh, what is your greatest fear in life? That's a hard one because I, you know, people ask me, why are you so happy? Because I choose to be. I choose to hold on to my joy. Fear, I don't live in fear. You know, I'm not afraid. I'll never forget, you know, my mother talking about not being afraid of life that you had to be ready for life, you know? So fear is not a part of me. I remember being young and I had to get over fear of dying because my mother said, everybody dies. So why are you afraid of the inevitable? You know, just do your best, live your best life. So I don't have the fear. That's not a part of my thing that's fantastic great answer what advice would you give to your younger self oh patience 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 work on patience your father told you this when you were 16 years old one of the greatest lessons you will ever learn is to be patient not just with yourself but with other people as well Let them finish their sentence. Yes, you may think you already know what they're going to say, but let them finish their sentence. Be kind to yourself because you're just on this path of go, 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 go. Be kind enough to stop. Be kind enough to be good. Be kind enough to be patient. Be kind enough to be thoughtful with yourself so that maybe you can do it for everybody else. Yeah. Patience. Work on it. That is all such good advice. Mm -hmm. 
especially the waiting for someone to finish what they were going to say. That's one that I've struggled with my whole life. And as a journalist, really, you need to learn to keep your mouth shut and let people speak. (laughs) You get it. You get it. Listen, listen. That whole thing about listen more, talk less. Oh, my dad loved that. Yeah. So good. Mm -hmm. Is there something big that you wish you had done and it sometimes feels like it might be too late? I.e., do you have regrets? Nope, 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 nope. That's another thing I do not live in. I do not live in regret. I used to wear perfume and it was called No Regrets and I would just douse myself in it. No regrets. I have done some things that have not worked out the way I thought they would, but there have been other things that have happened that have been even better had I not done that. So I, I in my life, to live my life to the best of my ability and with no regrets. Yeah, it's like if you trust in the universe or whatever beliefs you have or whatever faith you have in life, then you have to believe that when one door closes, another opens. And when something doesn't work out, it wasn't meant to. And all of that, right? It's the case of Sarah thing. All of that. And have faith. Hold on to faith. You know, they talk about faith as big or as small as a mustard seed. And if you've ever seen how tiny a mustard seed is, hold on to that little grain of faith because faith is what makes broken wings fly and we all deserve to soar, but we got to have faith. You always speak like it's a song. I love listening to you speak. Thank you. Thank you. What is your most treasured possession? You know what? My dad taught me never to hold on to things because things are just things and they are not my possession, but I created them with a little bit of help from somebody else. But my two children, woo! I love those people. I love those people. And I know that when I transition to another place, wherever that might be, I will leave two people behind that will carry on in my stead in a wonderful way. And I just um, love my children, love my children. Things can come and go. I have too many things, got a lot of things, but my two children, wow. Mm. When and where are you happiest? Wherever I am. Wherever I am, whether it's on the plane, up in the sky, on the tarmac, in my home, in the backyard, in my car, out of the car, eating some good food. Oh, my goodness. In Jamaica, in Ghana. I I mean, there are so many wonderful places to be happy. And some of them I haven't even discovered yet. Haven't been to India yet. I mean, and I I, want to go, but... I am I am happy where I am, wherever that may be. Well, you've got to go to India, because if that's on the list, 
I've been and I just I'd love to go back. I didn't go for long enough. There's just oh my so god, where did see. you where did you go? Where? Well, I started in Delhi and then I went up north. It was so hot and humid at that time and it was June, which is monsoon. Yeah. I don't recommend. It was yeah. almost a hundred percent humidity. It was about in Fahrenheit, maybe 115 or something crazy. Oh, no. So I went up to the mountains. I went to Kashmir. I went to Dharamsala, where the Dalai Lama lives. Yes. I went to over to Nepal after that. Now, that so, was quite a journey, I'm sure. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's a life-changing experience, let me tell you, to take a bus from uh from northern india it's just you know you look over the edge of the ravine and it's thousands of feet drop and there is a bus just like the one you're riding in on the bottom of the ravine with the roof ripped off <laughs> so i don't recommend that exact experience but yeah. But going there was just, it's, it's just magical. Wow. I've got, to, place. I've got to go and I truly want to go. The hard part for us is always trying to figure out the time to go because of, you know, we work. So, and it's not like we get, you know, two weeks off, you know, you get the February and then it's almost like you're starting to work again. You know, being on a show that's, a hit is has been very different experience for me than being on a show that is a show. A uh, hit is a whole different beast. I love it Be because you you're constantly renewed, and because it's twenty two episodes. Exactly, it's just a lot. Yeah, a lot, but it's a good lot. And you know, we're fortunate. You know, we've got ABC and Warner Brothers, and you know. They're very supportive. It's crazy also because this year, both of them celebrate 100 years. Wow. That's crazy. You're right. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot, but it's a good lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is your idea of misery? You know what? I don't, I don't do well in toxic situations. I don't do well with toxic people and I'm allergic to negativity and I, I will take it in small doses because, you know, you always need to have a balance in life. But I will take myself out of a toxic situation there. You know, there's a saying, all money's not good money. And when it goes bad, you need to sometimes remove yourself. Yeah. So it's the whole toxicity of it all. Mm -mm. Some people revel in that. Some people just love it. No, can't do it. Not interested. I think for some people, toxicity, which to my mind is manipulation, maneuvering, constant negativity, come on, drama, yeah, that stuff. Uh, I think some people get kind of addicted to it. Mm -mm. Um, but yeah, You're right. it, it, it's sort of what you know. If you think of it as a sort of low vibration frequency, it, that's, that, that's it. it. Sucks you dry. Absolutely. And mm. I and I refuse to be a part of that. I just refuse. I see it for what it is and I move on. I don't I don't interact with it. I like mm -mm. I'm moving on. Yeah. 
If there was a talent that you don't already have, but would like to have, what is it? I'd be playing the piano. Oh, I would be playing the piano. And if it wasn't the piano, I would be playing the violin. Yes. In fact, I might take a page out of Yara Shahidi's book and probably put myself to the task of learning a musical instrument. Yeah. What made you think of Yara Shahidi? Because I think Yara said that she was going, you know, they were asking her about something to do. And I think I heard her say that she was going to learn an instrument. It was either an instrument or a language. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, uh, I do think, you know, my my mum really tried to sort of give me the opportunity to learn instruments. Yes. My brother's a very talented musician and a composer. And I just didn't have the thing where you stick at it. It's And now it's one of those things where, as an adult, it's much harder to force yourself, not only to absorb like a sponge, like children can, but also I think it's very hard as an adult to do something you're bad at. And, and it takes, you have to... Throw your ego out the door and learning an instrument. You're going to be bad at it for a long time. <laughs> you know what? The thing about it is, is I think sometimes, and this is just Cheryl, we have to reframe our thinking around doing something that pushes us out of our comfort zone. I recently just did a TED talk and I swear to you, there were moments when I said, I cannot do this. No, I'm not going to be great at this. You know, I'm an extemporaneous speaker. You know, I speak from my heart and my mind. I feel the room and I speak. And TED Talk, that is not the equation. You know, there are certain steps that must be taken and that you come to the TED Talk. And I was just so sure I couldn't. And then one day I said, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you up here thinking all of these thoughts about what you cannot do you know what the equation is see it do it as soon as i got to that place that ted talk was off and happening so i think for you and i when it comes to this instrument or this language we're going to learn we already know how much we have achieved so we know how much we can achieve and it is only up to us to make the time, the room, and the place to add this to what we can do. And we can do it. We just have to get to the space to want to do it. That's it. You yeah. are so right. I'm just going to add a very small caveat and say that if I learn the piano or go back to piano lessons, got to cut off these nails. Oh, Can't yes. Long fingernails. Just a, you just got to go down just a little bit shorter. You have to be able to go like this comfortably. So if you can do that comfortable, comfortably, you might be halfway there. It's also that guitar would be one of the best things to learn because you don't need to have a piano. You can carry your instrument with you. And I always think how wonderful to be able to bring a guitar with you and be able to play it. But that means absolutely no fingernails whatsoever. Antonia, girlfriend, your piano is on your iPad. 
Just go on and oh, open yeah. the app and take your piano with you. Have you got that app? Are you are you learning? I, see, I saw it and I'm going to download it. I had an old version of it, but anyway, I am going to get the new version, put it on my piano, and I think I'm going to be able to do this. I really do. And I, I have love a piano. That. That's fantastic. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you just need your iPad. That's Technology. it. That's it. Okay, so what do you most appreciate in your friends? Oh, you know, I have friends that have been friends with me for years, you know, and I love the fact that they choose to check in on me. You know, they, they'll send me a little text or a voice note because I, I love a voice note because I can hear the intention of the speech. I can hear what they're saying and I can hear what they're feeling. And text, I'm not able to do that a lot, but it does work in some time frames. But I love the fact that most of my dear friends keep in touch with me and they check up on me. And sometimes it's just like, girl, how are you doing? Or it's just like, it's time for food, you know, just things like that. And I have one friend and she's like, anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, just call me and we're going, we'll be there tomorrow. Come on, let's go. They're all so different. And I just, I, lo I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so nice. I do also love a voice note myself. Yeah. I, I think it, there's something so good about leaving these little things for people. Because it's like, I want you to hear me. I want you to be able to feel me. You know, now that my parents had passed on, I wish I had saved some of those voice notes on the mm -hmm. phone so that I could hear their voice, you know, and I miss that. And I, I hope that more and more we do not intentionally lose the human connection. You know, it's harder and harder for us to feel the touch of other people now. I hope we don't get to a point where we don't want to hear from other people because even the letters that people are writing now through email, it's not the same as when someone had their thoughts on a piece of paper and they didn't know if you were gonna get it, but they wanted you to know, this is how I feel. I feel like the pandemic really helped hit reset in some ways because people really felt what the future might be like if we only sent each other texts and never saw anyone and so people started to zoom they started to see each other again they started to call people they hadn't spoken to in years that's right because it was sort of great so obvious how short life really is mm. that you could be here today and they're absolutely gone within the next minute. Yeah, yeah. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Wherever, wherever, because I'm gonna find peace, I'm gonna find joy, I'm gonna find my tribe, I'm gonna find it. So I also don't like to put um, those sort of boundaries on things in my mind, my life, because um, when you do that, you'll always be longing for what you don't have. Mm. And that's the worst situation to be in. That's so true. Yeah. 
Who is your dream dinner companion, either living or dead? Oh my God. I, once again, I love having dinner with my kids. I love having dinner with my husband. My um, son, the other day, he was, we were all sitting around the table eating and he said, oh, it's been so long since we've had a meal together. And my daughter said, we, had a, we just had a meal together last week. And my son said, yeah, it just seems so long ago. That's so cute <laughs> that he really wanted that. That's so nice. Yeah. You know, so I, I love them. And, you know, as the, as the family grows and, you know, gets larger, I love having a seat at the table with all of them. I love it. How old are your kids? My son is 30 and my daughter is 27. And they have kids of their own? Not yet. They're but one young. day. You know, yeah. people always say things like, oh, wait until you have grandchildren. You'll wish that you had skipped over the children. I said, I don't know about <laughs> your relationship with your children, but I will always love my children. The, the, their children will just be a bonus. They really say you wish you'd skipped over your children. That's so funny. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-uh, <laughs> not me. No. Oh. Um, how did you meet your husband? Blind date. We met on a blind date. I had a friend of mine, Cece, Cece Holloway, who was, um, I believe, president or VP of diversity at Paramount. And she said to me, you have to meet my friend, the senator. And I was like, yeah, right. Okay, fine. Great. And uh, it just never happened. And then I was in New York rehearsing for a musical, Thoroughly Modern Millie, that was opening on Broadway. And she says, guess who's in town? And I said, who? She said, the senator. And I was like, oh my God, here she goes. And anyway, um, he and I met. And that was that. Yeah. Was it was it like a bolt of lightning? Was it one of those? It was I felt like um when Bugs Bunny would get kicked with the boot in the head and it was stars, hearts and stars and all of that. Just this little birds flying movie. around. Yes, that, all that of cartoon. that. I just love this that. Great guy. Just this great man. And I was just oh. like, Wow. Uh, hi. And that was that. <laughs> And how long have you been married now? We've been married 18 years this year, which means we've been together 21 years. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank lovely. you. Okay. So what is your motto in life? Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better best. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Last one. Yes. Who is your current hero? My parents, who are no longer with me, but I know that they are championing me from on high. I know that this is a time in my life that they knew and believed would happen and I just wished and wish that they had been alive to see it. Mm. Yeah. And then my next hero besides my kids and my husband, I'd have to say Quinta for having the guts 
to say to me, Miss Ralph, I know you're at a point in your career where you are offered things and that's the way it should be, but maybe you might just consider, you know, like reading this with like the producers, you know, with us, just, just maybe. And I just love that I said yes and I get to see her in the position that she's in doing her thing because it makes me very proud that I was able to overcome those obstacles put in front of me to be able to clear in some way a path for her to be here and thrive. Mm. Yeah. Very well said. All right, well, Cheryl Lee Ralph, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you Thank so you. much. I really oh. enjoyed your answers. Thank you. I had a good time being here with you. Yes. I hope I see you again soon. I look good luck to. with everything. All of that good stuff. And what a wonderful season this is going to be. And I'm very happy to be, even be considered as part of this great season in um, TV and entertainment. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's hard work, but I love it. Well, I can't wait to see season three. Thank you. Thank you for listening to 20 Questions on Deadline. For more episodes, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.